Sorry. And then there was sound. Yeah, I've known Ken Dodd for uh, a lot of years. Uh, did a dedication for all their kids. They don't remember that, though. They, <laughs> the kids don't, though. Yeah. Stay with me. Okay, Ken? <laughs> you guys aren't good at multitasking. You're trying to do that and me at the same time. Listen to me at the same time. Uh, yeah, they, they was just have been an absolute blessing. And it's just been fun to watch God work in them and lead them and guide them in, uh, in their lives. And it has been a joy. Don is... Yeah, you got an awesome preacher's wife. I'm going to just tell you that right now. She is a gem, and all that I see is nothing but happiness, bubbly, joyful, positive, and she's just a, she's just a sweetheart, most giving, loving person. And she and my wife, my wife really wish she could have been here. She couldn't. I'll be nice, Don. She's, she's, she's got some stuff issues that she's been going through, and she really wanted to be out here and spend some time with Don, meet you folks too. But uh, she, I had to step in as, as a husband, and she's been burning it at both ends, and she's just fatigued. That's the easiest way of saying it. She is sleeping, and so she's home, and uh, she's uh, missing being here if she really wishes. She just loves Don also, and those two have had some really great, wonderful times together and watching these guys grow up has been been amazing pastor ken um when we were together in lewistown uh and he took off he told me when he had gone out to indiana about Northside needing a pastor and so i threw my name in the hat and i've been there for 20 years now and god's really been been blessing and so because of that uh, our 20-year anniversary is in June uh, of this year, so our deacons have contacted uh, uh, them to uh, come in, and I thank you ahead of time for you know allowing your pastor to come to my church. So he's going to preach at me at my church in June, and you knew, knew that you knew that, right? Yeah. So he's going to preach, and uh, they ask, "Is it okay to give up a pulpit again?" I'm like, "Sure." And my church is spoiling me absolutely rotten. Um, we've been really, really blessed at that church. And, and it's been neat to see souls saved, baptistries running again, you know, all that good stuff that you want. And so they're, they're sending my wife and I on a cruise. No, seriously. I'm like, are you kidding me? And, it's, and so they're going to send us away. And uh, they've been just spoiling us rotten. And we are really uh, incredibly blessed and and I say this with all honesty, I've been pastoring now for 31 years. And these last couple of years, God has worked in my heart to, to do some things that I wouldn't have normally done in the Word because of negativity. It's amazing how God takes everything and works it out for good, that I'm going to love God. And I mean, there were some really negative things in my life and God said now watch me take a mess and turn it around for good and you'll go through these things too and I wouldn't be here this morning if if that garbage wouldn't have happened around me and I'm going to tell you right now it was not my plan to put five years of of studies into eschatology 
and to develop some of these things. I didn't do that on purpose. And I really believe by faith that God is saying, Carl, just let me lead you and what I want you to do. Just submit to God. And it's amazing what doors start to open up for you in your life. God loves you so much. And as a heavenly father, he wants what's best for you. Just say, okay, God, I'm yours. And watch what God does. Things that you can't even imagine now that you're going to be thrown into. So I had a man, we teach um, this, this on Sunday morning or Tuesday mornings for, for an hour. And one of the guys that's part of it, he actually did the notes for Africa. So we're going to be going into Africa and doing this in September for pastors there. And uh, they got on material. He said, Carl, I've wrote, I looked at your notes. He says, we need, I'm praying right now that God starts to open this door up that you can get outside of Northside and start teaching this stuff some other places. Then within two weeks, Ken said, hey, can you come to New York? Okay, he just prayed. And within that same time, Kwame said, we need this in Africa. And I'm like, okay, God, whatever you want me to do. I'll do. And it is an absolute honor for me to be opening up the word uh, for you guys uh, today. And thank you, Kenny, for entrusting me with your people. And I pray that I'll, I'll get my job done today. So last, last Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, I talked to little Levi. He's one of my grandsons. I got four kids and 15 grandkids. Awesome. So Levi, he's like, I don't know how old. When you have 15 grandkids, you have no idea how old they are. So little Levi, he's, you know, he's just like his daddy, you know, he's all over the place. And so, so he's sitting beside me, they all take turns, you know, and I, so I gave him the offering envelope. I said, Levi, put this in the offering plate. He goes, okay. So of course he's like this, putting it up and looking at, and I'm like, no, you put it on your lap because I don't want everybody to know what grandpa's putting in the offering plate. This is kind of a personal, private thing. He goes, oh, okay. So he's sitting there real good. So I said, you'll remember, Right. To put this in the offering plate. He goes, absolutely. I said, this is your job. This is really important. Okay. So I'm up there, do the prayer request, do the offering, and I come down, and he goes, and I realize he forgot to put the thing. I said, Levi, what in the world? I said, you had one job, man. One job. He said, I'm so sorry. Well, today I have one job. So I hope I do it justice, and I hope I can get the job done, and you guys fall in love with Jesus a little bit more. The Sunday school hour, we talked about what's going to be going on on earth during the tribulation time period. A whole lot of negativity that Satan's going to be up to. He's trying to imitate Jesus, trying to get God's worship. He's the imitator. Today we have the positive side of heaven. What on earth are we, as Christians, going to be doing in heaven? Have you ever thought about that? And I always thought as a young Christian, what am I going to do in heaven? It's like a really long time. Eternity is like a really, really long time. It like never ends. And eternity means it doesn't change. In eternity, we get these new bodies. We go up into glory. It's like we don't get older. We don't get younger. We don't get sick. We don't die. So we stay the same, like Jesus' body 
Philippians 2 tells us that we will be fashioned like unto His glorious body. So we're going to get a body just like Jesus and it stays the same. What are we going to be doing? So a couple friends of mine, they have it nailed. So they said, I know what's going to happen. Because we get these you know, rooms in heaven, mansions, and we're going to be going in there. And this is what he envisions. I'm going to be on my lazy boy. You think I'm kidding? He's going to be on his lazy boy and, and his dog gets to go to heaven too. So his dog is going to be beside him on his lazy boy, and he's going to pet his puppy for all of eternity. I got ADD. I'd be way bored. There is. I like my dog. My, my wife was sending me pictures of Harley. He's mourning right now because he, me, I'm gone. So he's like whimpering and crying and looking for me all through the house, you know. And I like Harley. I really don't want to spend eternity with him. I mean, he's an awesome dog, but that's not my aim. My aim is not. And we think that heaven is going to be like an reti- extended retirement village where we all just kind of nestle in, we're all connected, we all just get to have nice times and we can go by and play shuffleboard or pool or whatever we're going to do and have a really good time and then go back. And uh, so it's a retirement village or it's an extended vacation. It's lots of fun up in heaven. You know, we're going to be really great time, you know. It's kind of like vacation, yay, that never ever ends. Vacation, no school, no tests, no work, no time clocks. You don't have to worry about paychecks. You don't have to worry about paying your light bills and gas bills and electric bills and all those. No, no taxes. No taxes in heaven. And we're like, man, this is awesome. Vacation paid for in full. This is so awesome. I'm sorry. Sorry to burst your bubble, but that's not really what heaven's all about either. I appreciated the, the band this morning. And you should appreciate the hard work that these folks put into the worship. I mean, that doesn't just happen. It takes a long time and a lot of work to make it. Make it. And is is it uh, is it Ben? Ben, where's Ben? Ben, he's back here. Okay, Ben, I got to see you after the service. I am so jealous of you. That mustache, man. <laughs> is that mustache not awesome? So we went to Texas, my wife and I, somebody said, hey, go to Texas. And they paid for our vacation to go to Texas in January. We're down there. There's handlebar mustaches all over. I'm like, honey, I want one. And she says, no. (laughs) And I'm like, but why? They're so cool. And I get, I need a selfie (laughs) with you so I can send that to my wife after the service and say, see, I need to have one of these things. And, you know, he's got my same haircut. <laughs> so it's really going to work. It's really going to work. All righty. Now i got to get serious. We're in the book of Revelation this morning. We're going to be spending a little time here and talking about what on earth are we going to be doing in heaven. You probably got the notes. And by the way, as you know, preachers have a good, good purpose in mind or agenda. There's no way I'm going to get all this done. So you got the notes. You can look at some of the stuff later on as you study. If you didn't get yesterday's uh, paperwork, you can have that because we have tons left over. And on there, um, there's an entire page giving a why I see scripturally um, and giving a bit of uh, apologetics of why I believe that you and I are the 24 elders. 
And, and you, I don't have 10 minutes now to go through that. You'll have to read that on your own. So we're just going to go into this because, A, they are distinguished from, from angels. They are distinguished from 144,000. They are uh, uh, seen differently than the tribulation saints. And uh, they're uh, also the four beasts, which are the four um, uh, seraphim that are talked about in Isaiah 6. So who are these people? And you also see these people in heaven that they have crowns on their heads. Well, why do they have crowns? Well, that means they're in heaven and they've been rewarded. And they're part of the praise band upstairs. Yay! So that's us. Okay, so we're worshiping God. And it's really cool to see the different places that the 24 elders are mentioned. And it's in one of these chapters. So the 24 elders, if you can get your brain, uh, the church, the bride of Christ, if you will. And, and those who went through the timeline with me, you remember, you know, here we are in this church age. And we're waiting for an event to take place. And we call it the rapture. Jesus calls it the resurrection. We're going to be snatched away, and this, this whole body is going to be changed. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. We which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds, and we will forever be with the Lord, and we're to comfort one another with these words. God tells us, 1 Corinthians 15, this body that's sinful is going to put on an, a body that doesn't have sin. There's no deterioration, no pain, no glasses, no false teeth. It's going to be a perfect, perfect body. And it's going to be a body that will never die, never corrupt, never deteriorate. And it's forever fashioned like Jesus Christ's body. And, and that's, the, that's what we look forward to. And we have to have that because of the position that we're going to have and for all of eternity. It's, it's, it's a design, folks. We're made that way on purpose by God for His eternal plan for you and I. We have a plan. That's what we're going to be getting into. So we're here we are up in heaven, and God says that we have already been judged. 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, we've been judged by Jesus Christ at the judgment seat or Bema seat of Christ, and we've already received our rewards. By the way, You'll see this is chapter 4 and chapter 5. Come chapter 6 is when the tribulation starts. That's when the seals are opened up. So guess what that shows you and I? We are raptured and judged before the trib ever starts. Yay! God says in 1 Thessalonians that we are saved from the wrath that's coming. We're saved from it. We're delivered from it. It's not our portion because we're the bride of Christ. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to take us and he's going to bring us up. He's going to reward us for the works that we have done. And then the marriage feast of the Lamb, it's a beautiful, beautiful time that we're going to be having with Christ. And this is part of the activities that you and I are going to be involved with. Verse 10 and 11. Revelation 4, verse 10. The four and 20 elders, 24 elders, that will be us, fall down before him that sat on the throne. And worship him that liveth forever and ever. And cast their crowns before the throne. And this is what we're going to say. Thou art worthy. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Um, Worship and worthiness are two words that blend. We worship because we deem God is worthy of that. It's earned So we will worship him on the throne and say, this is what we're going to communicate to our God. O Lord, you are to receive glory, 
honor, and power. For thou hast created all things. Genesis 1. You seeing this? So in heaven, we're reflecting back to Genesis chapter 1 and saying, God, you have created everything from absolutely nothing. And that reflects the power of God like no other. And we're going to recognize for all of eternity, we wouldn't be here without him without His power, with His honor, without His honor and might, who's created us. And that, and He says, this is why we're created. For His pleasure. We're created for God. As much as we are lied to to say, you're here for you. God just wants you happy. So you make your own happiness. That's America's philosophy now. Biblically, throw that philosophy right out. Because God wants you to understand who He is, to adore, love, and worship Him, knowing one day you're going to stand before Him for the things that you have done for Him while here. That's where the crowns come in. So as you serve Him now, we will be crowned, given reward. He says in Thessalonians, what is my hope? What is your hope? What is my joy? What's your joy? What's the cause for rejoicing? What's your cause for rejoicing? He says, isn't it even you and I in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back for us? Rapture. Lord, we need you. We always need you. We need you to help us to understand who you are so that we can know you and we will therefore intelligently worship you because we know you're worthy. It's not a feeling. Because feelings come and go. It's not our reasoning. It's based on who you truly are that causes us to bow the knee and to cry out, worthy. You are the only one worthy. And as if you have told the generations that you will have no other gods before you, there is none other to be worshipped than you alone. And even when Satan was attacking Jesus, and said, I'll give you all these kingdoms if only you would just bow down and worship me. Jesus said, we are to worship the Lord God only. In Him only will we serve. God, may we learn that worship and service are a beautiful blend to show you we love you. Help me as I show some important concepts today. And we'll thank you for Jesus' sake. Amen. So, you probably heard of the group Casting Crowns, right? That's a cool name. Why would they come up with that name? Well, here it is. We're going to be casting our crowns at Jesus' feet. The, uh, the old hymns, once in a while, threw it in also. Um, matter of fact, I was talking to a couple people. I said, try to find me as many hymns as you can or new songs. Uh, by the way, there was another one up that we sang that was alluding to We Will Be Ruling and Reigning With Him. Worthy is Lamb, so it's in there. But here's the here's one that y'all will know. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I'll lay down. Now, what did they mean by that? Revelation chapter four, verses ten and eleven. Same thing as casting crowns. Then he goes on and says. I will cling to the old rugged cross and I'll exchange it someday for a crown. 
the historians, as you look at the writers, the commentaries, everybody, they pointed to a day, yet futuristic, even from us, that we look forward to as Christians. And it's a day that ultimately we get to worship God for what He has done for us. We see Him as worthy, and we are going to proclaim loudly, not as us who are here, we sing like this and we shout like this. We're going to proclaim it to the rooftop, man, that you are worthy to receive honor and glory and power and might. And those crowns are going to be cast down. You'll see the one who we cast it down to, it tells us, is the one that is on the throne. In verse number 2, it says, Immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, the throne is set in heaven. And one sat on the throne. Over in chapter 5, you'll see the one seated on the throne is the one who then extends this scroll to Jesus, who is the Lamb of God. So guess who's on the throne? God the Father. And we're going to be casting all of our crowns right down at the Father because Jesus' purpose was to honor the Father, to glorify His Father. He's number one. So we're going to be worshiping at His very throne and begin to worship Him. Now, here we are. In good old New York. Yeah! You root for the Yankees up here? or Who do you, who do you, who do you all root for? You don't root for anybody? All right. Buffalo Bills or whoever it is, you know. Anyways, so, so we're, here we are in New York. And do you think that when we finally get into heaven and we're all there and this actually happens, that we might, re- might remember when we first learned this concept and in a crowd like this, we're looking at what you and I are literally going to be doing. We will be there. Yeah, so what? No big deal. This is a really big deal, folks. This is the climax of one of the things that you and I are going to be doing in heaven. And it is not probably going to be sitting on a recliner saying, this is nice. We're going to be at the throne. Isaiah describes this throne as God high and lifted up. And His train fills the whole temple. The holy of holies. These four beasts, these angelic beings who are also there, their eternal job is to say, Holy! Holy, holy! Lord God Almighty! That's all they do. Crying out over and over, these seraphim, these angelic beings, crying out the holiness of God. And they're there. And we're going to see the majesty and we're going to see holiness like we've never seen before. We don't even know what it's like. We imagine it. We try to simulate it here. But there, it's going to be face to face. Seeing God. Seeing the face of Jesus. And seeing beauty. I will worship in the the beauty of of holiness. So we're worshiping like never before. And we are going to take the rewards that we have been given by God at the G- at Jesus' judgment seat. And we're going to say, God, we could never have done the work without you. 
We couldn't have even been created without you. We would not even be in existence without, without you. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have a savior. We wouldn't have hope of heaven. And it's all because of your grace and your mercy. You gave us this. So we are now going to come to him. And we're going to take our rewards and say, you're worthy. You'd like to pat yourself in the back how good you are as a Christian? Get over yourself. You're not, that, you're not that good. And neither am I. God says he remembers that we're but dust. So we are. Dirt. Sorry. God made us from the dirt of the ground till it returns. Some of y'all are prettier than other dirts, but we're dirt. And that's what we are. Weak. And so God says, when you trust Christ as Savior, I then will open your heart. I will give you my Holy Spirit to empower you to do that which you cannot do. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. What the Spirit of God produces inside of you to be able to do for Him what you cannot do in the flesh. It's a miracle that y'all are here. It's a miracle that Ken can be in the ministry. It's a miracle that I'm here. It's a miracle that anything is going on in America that's Christian. It's a miracle. How, are, how is this even here? The world hates us. They want to shut us down. Much of the government says, eh, we need to start taxing these people. That was going on in Indiana quite a bit. They don't like us. We're in the way. We have ideas. We see things that are right and wrong. We're kind of a nuisance to this place. Hang in there. We'll be out of their way. Rapture. We'll be out of here. We're going to be up in heaven. So here we are in heaven, and we're going to be casting our crowns down at Jesus' feet, and we're going to say, you are worthy. Over and over again, God talks about songs that are going to be given to you and I to sing. Can you flip over to chapter 14? I want to talk just briefly a little bit more about worship. Pastor Ken and I talked about this. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. There are 144,000 men who are going to be sealed by the Father in heaven. And they're going to be on the earth. God gives us a little glimpse of heaven again. These 144,000 that preach the gospel through the tribulation time period are going to win millions of people to Christ. That's chapter 7. So they're going around preaching the gospel. Jesus died, buried, rose again, and many are going to get saved. And then at the end of the trip, they're going to be standing before this exact same throne. Verse 1, 14.1, I looked and, and, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. And with him, the 144,000 having their father's name written in their forehead. So they're sealed by God. Verse 3, they sung a new song before the throne and before the four beasts. That's those four angels crying, holy, holy, holy. And the elders, that's us. Yay. So we're there. But watch what happens. No man could learn that song, but the 144,000 that were deemed from the earth, these are they. And it goes through the description that they were single men, didn't defile themselves with women, etc. So, I love the music this morning. Really enjoyed that. Enjoy music. There was a choir that I sang in years ago. It was a 300-voice choir. And I was right in the middle of it. Can you imagine 300 people, and these were like really good singers that, you know, 
hit the ceilings and boobies and all that. I mean, it was just incredible harmony. And they placed the tenors right in the middle. So I'm like in the middle of this drum. And they started singing. And I stopped singing. You know why? I wanted to hear it. You could feel the music. You could feel the voices. Can you imagine 144,000 men singing at the top of their lungs because they mean it? Looking at Jesus and worshiping Him. And we are all going to be out the side listening. Corporate singing is a powerful thing. They're all lifting their voice up as one to God. And these men who gave their lives for years for Jesus Christ are going to honor Him through music. And we're going to hear it. You say, what on earth are we going to do in heaven? Starting to get a glimpse of it? All attention goes to the throne. All attention goes to Him. I enjoy the way we, through the history, have... You know, we have, we have praise bands, we have, you know, different instruments and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I enjoy different styles of music. I really do. I think in heaven, as I'm seeing the revelation, we see more of a corporate singing that as many groups as I've loved to listen to, I don't know if they're going to get on, on a stage if you're following me in heaven and say, hey, it's our turn. You know, I think it's going to be all of us uniting together. You know that shows you and I? Equality. It shows us that we are all together as one. As Ephesians 4 says, one Father, one Spirit, one, you know, one baptism, one everything. And it's going to be united and we're going to be worshiping all attention right to God, the throne. And these 144,000 Jewish men, I can't wait to hear that song. And we're all going to go, Carl, you taught me about that. It's happening. We're, let's, look at this. Is it a reality to you? Or is it, no, nah, it's just, I don't think it's going to really happen. Ooh, if we say, I don't believe the word's going to happen. I don't believe these prophecies are going to happen. Oh, we're in trouble with God now. Because God says, believe. You cannot, Revelation closes, you cannot take away, and you can't add to the revelation. This is what God says. He's the authority, we ain't. He's right, we're wrong. Always, always, God is right, and man is wrong. So we submit and we say, God, this is what I'm going to be doing. And that poor guy that wants to hold Fluffy and pet Fido for all of eternity, he's going to be really disappointed. Okay. God tells us that we will be involved with an eternal worship. We will be the bride, even at the marriage feast of the Lamb, we can see that recorded in Revelation 19. If you want to turn there with me, chapter 19, verses 7 and 9. It says here, let us be glad. Yay! Supposed to be happy. Rejoicing. And we're to give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife, the bride, has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she shall be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Do you ever wonder why uh, uh, brides wear white traditionally? It's a picture. It's all seen here. Because marriage is based on Christianity. And it's a picture of purity. 
It's a picture that they've kept themselves for their spouse. They've not been defiled. That they have kept themselves as a pure woman for this one person that they have dedicated their life to, to love. And here we are, the bride. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, you go to over Ephesians chapter 5, what did Jesus say there? That Jesus Christ gave himself for us, the church, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot, not having wrinkle, no blemishes. How? Because he washed us by the water of the word. He purified us through the word of God so that he can present himself, uh, present us to himself, a pure, chaste, beautiful bride. And this is where the celebration is going to happen. John 14, Jesus said to his men, because they were all hurting, big time hurting. They had had the Passover meal, the feet being washed, Judas Iscariot, all these things that are going on. And as Jesus is trying to say to his men, listen, uh, they're going to take me. I'm leaving. And you're not going to follow me now. Where are you going? Why can't we follow you now? Why can't we, why can't we go there now? He stops them. Okay, let me put it to you this way. Stop letting your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe in me. Because in my Father's house are many mansions, bridal chambers. If it was not true, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare this place for you, I'm going to come again. I'm going to receive you unto myself. That where I am, you're going to be also. And where I'm going, you know, and the way you even know. Thomas says, Lord, I don't get it. Where are you going? We don't know the way. We don't know what direction. Is it north, south, east, west? Where are you going? And he said, man, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one can come to the Father but by me. It's a beautiful picture of the bride and the groom. In the Jewish culture, the man who was proposing would go to his loved woman. You guys, you better be listening. You guys that are not yet engaged and everything. Trying to help you out. So he goes to this beautiful woman and he says to her, Honey, you are the one that I want. To live with all of my life. There is no other woman on this earth more beautiful to me. You are the one I want to be with all of my life. I love you who you are. I love your heart. I love your mind. I love all of you. And what they would do then is they would take a wine glass. And they would present it. He would present it to her. If she reached out and received it. And would drink of it. She was saying, I do. Then there was an agreement. That would be what we would call an engagement. They would have it as a covenant. The covenant already started. And then the groom would say, yay. And then he would skip off. 
happy as could be, and he would go home. And they would have a place there that he would start getting the hammer and nails, and he would start building. And he was the building the place where he's going to bring her to be his bride. Can you imagine the joy, how he wanted to make it? How he wanted to create it, that it would be special for her. That she would be like, oh, you did such a beautiful job. Thank you for loving me enough to do this. So he's making it. And in an unexpected time, he would get his men and say, hey, it's time to go back. Let's go get her. She would have no idea. And then the trauma, you know, it's like, ah, he's here. Can you, you know, the girls are going, oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad imitation, I know. And so they would be joyfully whisked away, and they would then celebrate for seven days this beautiful marriage. We get bored in three hours. There's a party for seven days. Isn't that something that it's seven days, and we're in heaven for seven years before Jesus comes back. And we're up in heaven, and it is a time of joy and celebration and love that Christ is going to be with us. And we will be with him. And as my wife, literally, she, you know, texted me three times this morning. She's like, Carl, I miss you. She really, really wanted to come. And uh, we just, and I'll probably take off early and head there because I miss my wife. And we've been 38 years married. And, uh, and it, you know, you get older and it's like, how in the world did that happen, right? How did this many years go by? Can you imagine in heaven... It's going to be just a blink. Time isn't even relevant. And we're going to be with our Savior. And we're going to be connected with Him. And we're going to love Him. That wherever He is, we will be. That's why later on, when King Jesus, as we sang in some of the songs, that He's going to be King of Kings. He's going to rule and reign on the earth. And the one song said, And we will reign with Him. That's when it's going to happen. We're going to come down. It's really cool because when it says that King Jesus comes back, he comes back as the warrior on a white horse. He isn't coming in on a donkey this time to Jerusalem. First time he came in, he was on a donkey showing humility, submission to die. The next time Jesus comes back, he comes back on the white horse. Majestic. It's a conquering term. And so he's coming back and God says that his vesture is dipped in blood. And no doubt, he is coming back as the warrior to clean up. And it's a time of the separation from the sheep and the goats. The sheep are the believers, goats, eh, lost. And he's going to separate the two and he's going to make war. What's beautiful is it says that there's going to be others, us, coming back also on white horses. And it describes that you and I have our clothing still white the bride doesn't get into battle we're watching our warrior husband jesus christ bring the victory for us again he does the work he does the work we reap the benefits that's why it says for by grace are you saved through faith it's not you it's not your works or else we could boast about it we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But the salvation is because of His work on the cross. His life for mine. 
When Christ cried out on the cross, it is finished. He was saying, I have paid the penalty for man's sin by dying on the cross to be their lamb, their eternal lamb. And that's why in heaven, we will be crying out in our song, worthy is the lamb. For folks, all of eternity, we're going to be remembering the cross. Remember after his resurrection, he went to Thomas and said, look here, still got the marks for all of eternity. The marks on the lamb will always be there. And we're always going to see him high and lifted up with the scars, reminding us why we're there. Philippians says it this way, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation, took upon himself a form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of man. Yet being found fashioned in his man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given Jesus a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus... Every knee shall and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That first time I had three sweet Christians go home to be with the Lord. One was 96 years old and uh, he served the Lord for a lot of years. He was in a wheelchair. His daughter said, my dad finally has skinny legs. Because his legs, because of his disease, were this big around. And he couldn't walk. He couldn't get around. When he would fall, we'd all have to go over and try to help pick him up. And he finally went home to be with Jesus. And I gave that same text to them at the funeral. And Mr. McCreary now was able to bow the knee. And has already bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. And we will. I'm going to close with this. Uh, I want you to read chapter 5. That's where we will also be singing Worthy is the Lamb. That's where the detail is. Um, But back to the Philippians 2 concept. God says every knee will bow. You say I'm too important. No you're not. Every knee will bow. You say well I won't be there because I don't believe it. Every knee will will bow. The question is, will we bow through adoration or will we bow to submit? And there's a difference. There will be those who have believed as we have that Jesus Christ indeed is Lord and he's our Savior and worthy to be worshipped. And we will on purpose bow our knees, humbling ourselves before him and saying, you are Savior our God. The lost who wouldn't believe in Jesus Christ will still bow the knee, but it is to confess, I refused you as my Lord, and I now submit to you. You are. Every knee shall bow. And they will confess, I was wrong. And then they have to pay their own price for hell, through hell. God doesn't want that. God never intended it for us. But when we reject His Son, 
who is worthy. The righteousness of God must be met. And the only way the righteousness of God can be met is through Jesus Christ. You say, I disagree with that. How, how are you going to do it then? You say, I'm a good person. And don't you tell me I'm not a good person. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. Do you want me to keep on quoting them? I will if you want. He hath made, the Father has made Jesus to be sin for us. Jesus knew no sin. That you and I, the sinner, would be made righteous through him. It's, it's a concept of, it's a, it's a concept that we use with banking. You know, you got a checking account, savings account. God takes Jesus' righteousness and imputes that onto our account. We're, we're broke. We're the bad guys. We're the sinners. You know what God does when you believed in Jesus? He took our sin and put it on Jesus' account. So when God looks at you, he sees you like Jesus. Innocent, pure. You say, I don't deserve that. Now you got it. For by grace are you saved through faith. You just believe it. Lord, your word is amazing. How it connects all 66 books to pull together your incredible plan. And from the beginning, it was indeed that, that you would redeem mankind through your Son. Promised in Genesis 3.15, fulfilled on the cross and through the resurrection. I do not know each heart, but you do. I don't know what's going on inside of them, but you do. They might have come not even knowing what was going to be given and delivered. But now they realize, Lord, they need saved. They need to be forgiven. And they know now it's through Christ alone. Christ alone. Your lamb that you sent that we'll see one day. God, work in that heart. Holy Spirit, this is your job, not mine. I submit these to you. I yield them to you, Father, that he will work inside of them, convincing them of their need of Christ. Lord, I remember that day at 19 years old when you worked in me until I believed. Thank you for your grace. With heads by and eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you say, Carl, that's me. I need to get saved. I've been playing church. There's nothing inside of me. There's All of this is so foreign. And I realize I've been playing church. I've been playing this whole Christian act. And it's time for me to, by faith, believe in Jesus Christ as my lamb. And I'm going to bow my heart to him now. And I'm going to believe he died and rose again for me and be saved. If you mean that, just call on God right now where you're at. However you want to do it, I can help you with some words. Just say something like this. Dear God, I know in your sight I'm the sinner. And that's why you sent your son to die for me. I believe he died for me and he rose again for me. I call on you to forgive me of my sin, to give me that eternal life that one day I will be in heaven rejoicing as I've been taught today. Seeing you high and lifted up and worship you. Lord, I want to see you. I want to be there. I want to be your child. Thank you for dying and rising again for me. Thank you for saving me. Help me now, Lord. Help me now that I'm one of your children to follow you all the days of my life. 
Help me to put you first and to serve you. Help me to grow in you. If you prayed that, my friend, you invited Christ in, please let Pastor Ken know, or one of the leaders, let us know of that decision. That way we can help you grow, answer questions that you've got, and we are behind you. We're so proud of you and so glad for this decision that uh, you've made. Maybe as a Christian, you're saying, you know, my journey here on this life seems awfully boring. Seem like I'm frustrated all the time. Everything is negative, negative, negative. There's no joy. How be we start thinking about Jesus? How be we start thinking about his throne, his sovereignty? One day we're going to be before him. That we're going to receive crowns for the hardships and the sufferings that we have gone through. Therefore, let us go through with joy and not sorrow. May we keep him first in our lives so that he is high and lifted up in our hearts. Pastor Ken?